podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listener, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 291. I am Trev Denny, podcasting to you as ever from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. And as ever, I am joined by Carl Kopak and by Cam Branch. And producer Guy Drinkle is helping in the background today. He's not going to be on the mic, but he will, as ever, be contributing, no doubt. Um, it's good to have the team back. It's good to have the gang back together again. Um, nice to do it a couple of times in a row. Feels like uh, old times. And uh, we have endless footy to talk about. We've gone a bit early, um, just to give you a bit of inside baseball here, listeners. So my usual amount of preparation is not in situ because I was preparing for the show at Yam, which got cancelled at the last minute. So I'm now prepared for a very serious football talk show, uh, which some of you may prefer. And to that end, let's get started with introducing um, our esteemed colleagues on the night. And number one uh, in the introductions always is Carl Kopak. How are you, my friend? Very well. It's nice to say that you've told the listener that we've been basically relegated to the undercard and now you've found time for us. That's very kind of you to do that, Trev. Um, I'm very well, mate. Very, uh, very chipper indeed. Um, I have a quote and I, I'd like to apologise to anyone who may have read my column this week and think yeah, but you've already said that this week mate but it's just so apt and apposite that it's just so great you're going to get it from the opening word Smithers there's no way I can lose this bet unless of course my nine all-stars fall victim to nine separate misfortunes and are unable to play tomorrow but that will never happen three misfortunes that's possible seven misfortunes there's a chance but nine misfortunes I'd like to see that <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Liverpool centre halves since August. Yeah, via the prism of ah uh, the Simpsons. That's Homer at the bath, which just might be one of its, its greatest ever episodes. Everything about that episode is fantastic, including Donald Strawberry. I know nothing about the career of Donald Strawberry other than he's in this episode of The Simpsons, and I like him just for that. Yeah, it's 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 an absolute classic episode. Uh Back when the writing was so so good, um, I remember something yeah, else. The, do, you, do you remember the uh, uh, the bit where Mr. Burns is trying to tell the team about signs from the from the dugout? If I touch my belt once, not twice, but thrice, it means it takes off the sign. But then if I wiggle my hips thus, and it just goes on phrasing, and then Burns, and then Homer just goes, I, I don't know what he, I've, I've lost. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see this is the joy of that particular character because for me, for the longest time, he's just Mr. Burns. He's an interesting guy. He's a really interesting character. I like the way he's framed. I like the way, I like the way they have him speak. Um, I like the, uh, archaic vocabulary that he uses. And then, you know, if you're me, you start, uh, getting interested in, in the things that you're interested in. You're looking at the world and you're looking at how it's put together and you're starting to wonder what could have influenced them, uh, in the character of Mr. Burns. And oh, then yeah. all of a sudden you find yourself listening to an interview with David Rockefeller and you realize, holy shit, it's basically David Rockefeller. That's what the voice is based on. And of course, the old money thing is there as well. There's, so it's very, very interesting. There's a bit of Murdoch in there as well, isn't there, obviously? 
but well, no doubt with the the the, the monomaniacal uh, aspects yeah. of things. But 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 the voice is such a giveaway, and then you you know they're they're brilliant. They really are with all the, the little secret societies and everything. It's tremendous stuff. Um, I mean, went with the words "ohoy hoy," which still makes me laugh. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, does that come from some sort of a Cary Grant film or something? No, because that, that, this came up on QI, and they said that's how um, uh, Alexander Bell, that's how he answered the phone, before the word hello. <laughs> yes, hello yes, 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 I remember that. The phone. Right, I remember that. Because yeah, it, remember in Italian, that, yeah. of course, it's pronto. You answer the phone with the word pronto, which just means ready. Mm. I'm, I'm ready to talk to you mm. now. And it was a hoi yeah, hoi yeah, before that. Oh, 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 it's brilliant, especially in that voice and that accent. It's yeah. fantastic. It, do, it does sound like something Cary Grant would have said in the movie, but um, yeah, it's good to, good to get the actual knowledge. And I will completely uh, uh, fail to to take the bait, uh, which you've set for me in every single intro for the last five or six shows, where I'm being very pleasant and introducing and queuing up, and you kick me in the face, <laughs> Carol Kalpak. You just basically said I, I had I had uh, Jan on tonight and uh, we couldn't do so. I suppose I have to do Copac and Brain. Show me, I suppose. I, so, yeah. I, I said anything. I said anything but that. I said I was unprepared as a result of my preparation for the other show, and I had an hour in between to do the. Oh, so so we, we don't need preparation. That's what you're saying. I had an hour in between to do preparation for this show, and everybody heard that except you, Carl. Everybody, Cam Brain, how are you? I'm good. Back some back for some AI therapy. This is what it is now. Therapy. Is it? Is it? Are we? Are we? Are we going to be treated to a few uh, Cambridge expletive rants later on? Is that basically what you're telling us here? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see where we go. Let's see. Seeing as we don't have an agenda, <laughs> who knows where this show could end up tonight? Well, we do have an agenda. I just told you that. We even with the agenda from all the on the spot. We're talking football, mate. <laughs> Are you going to start asking us about our career playing for Ajax in Denmark? I'm going to ask you how it feels when you find yourself in that situation where you're backing up into a defender and you've got one touch of the ball. Do you take it into you or do you lay it off? in the hope that you'll get the return pass. That type of technical stuff, Carl. I, 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 think, I think this is relatable content for me, me and Cam. Of course it is, mate. Yeah, yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> Cam, what have you got for us to start off? Um, I've got a quote, and then I've got a question for you both. So Ooh, okay, first, when I step onto the court, I don't have to think about anything. If I have a problem off the court, I find that after I play, my mind is clearer, and I can come up with a better solution. It's like therapy. It relaxes me and allows me to solve problems. Hmm. Now, I read a book by, well, it was the autobiography of Andre Agassi called Open. And it was one of the best sports books I've ever read in my life. And I'm, and I recall, I'm sort of giving me little echoes of that, but I don't know if that's the actual line for that because I don't remember that line specifically. Uh, it's just a court thing and the whole idea of sport is therapy after it being a torture. So, uh, what, uh, I, I'm at a loss. Carl, do you know who this is? It's not the Lord Chancellor, is it? Or have I, have I got the court wrong? There? Uh, different court. Okay. Close. Uh, uh, Andy Murray? Djokovic? No, no. It's one of the, 
greatest ever sport oh, Jordan. in the world was Jordan. Yes. Great. Oh, basketballers. Okay, right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, so, Michael Jordan, um, you you watched recently enough, didn't you, that wonderful documentary series, really? or had you seen it? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I've got to say, it's 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 incredibly engaging. What do you think of him? What's your what's your takeaway on him at the end of it? I mean, you know, because we, we get to see a lot of him now, as he is now. I've got to say, I don't think I'd enjoy a pint with Michael Jordan, but he's undisputably one of the greatest athletes ever and probably the best ever in his in his sport. But I don't, I don't know if he'd be much crack for a pint. Um, he's, he's definitely full of himself. He's, um, but then he's earned the right to be full of himself and, you know, to have that uh, confidence and assurance about himself. Um, I just was amazed by his desire and his drive and mm. how much he wanted it and how much he drove those around him as well to be the best that they could be as well. That's what I took from it. I, thought, I just thought it was phenomenal. I really did. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Hard to argue with that. Uh, like I said, there's just a, there's just there's a, a sort of a I don't know um, something about him that I, I don't think I'd find particularly endearing in 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 his current in his current uh, current sort of state. But anyway, you have a question for myself and for Carl. Apparently, I do. I do. Um, obviously, uh, in the game on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, I'm trying to get my days and my bearings. It's Thursday today. Uh, so obviously in the game on Tuesday, we Liverpool scored their 10,000th goal um, ever. Can you tell me who scored the 9,000 goal oh, and who it was against? I saw it the um, other day. Can I can I do uh, a Bob Mortimer thing here? So you, you ask the question again. Who scored the 9,000th goal? And who was it against? I think I've just remembered it. Is it Kerry Sh- Carl, 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 Carl. Sorry. You fucking stepped all over my moment here. Go on. Get it wrong, come on. Fuck me. The point was, you delay, you delay, you delay, and then you say, I can, and then it's well done. But the answer is Salo Kiriagas. It is. Mm. Who was that. it against? Yeah, can you remember that? It was, that? A, it was an infamous game. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> an infamous game. It was. It was the absolute. Oh, he, he played in an infamous game against the Ev. Yeah, not that one. Not that one. Mm. That was an infamous so, game. Which, I'll give you a clue here. Try if it was the absolute Nadir of Liverpool support. Oh, you say that, Carl, but there's a lot of fucking competition. You're not, not exactly not, laying on it. Not, not, not for no, me. Not doing this time. Yeah, believe me, this is a. I'll give you the. I'll give you the year to help make it easier. 2010. Yeah, I was going to say it's 2010. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> played about two years. So, uh, I, I, go ahead. Tell, tell me, tell me the. the I, I probably wrote about eight articles about it, but I just I, I blanked that shit out now. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Liverpool one, Blackpool two. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was from the era when Roy thought a, a draw would be Nirvana. So, 
you know. It's, well, we, it's... we just we just beat beaten Bolton, and he said that was a famous away victory. It was our first away win of the season, mm, um, mm. and we, we'd already won the last four there or something. Uh, then we played. Then we lost at home to Blackpool. Then I think there was an international break, and then uh, oh no, it wasn't. No, the next week was Everton, uh, where um, obviously it would have been Utopia if we would have won that game, and we haven't lost there since. Or, or at all, actually. Well, it just shows you, doesn't it, that he really knows his stuff. Um, Cam, do you remember before the mics went live, you were busy slandering me? Carl usually waits till we go live to start his fucking jibes. <laughs> but you uh, outrageously uh, were sli- slandering me uh, in the uh, pre-match chat uh, that we do on WhatsApp, um, getting our ducks in a row. Um, the usual shite about Downey's going to be late again, prima donna, blah, blah, blah. But of course, you were laying it on that I was on the on the wine. Um, and uh, I find that fucking offensive because, you see, what you don't understand is that what I'm doing here is a can of Gordon's pink gin and tonic, you fucker. <laughs> so, so stick that up your jacks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because because for me, Cam, for me, this also is therapy, and I like <laughs> therapy with a side of alcohol. Uh, <laughs> now, Karen, your 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 uh, quote um, from the wonderful uh, Monty Burns led us into an idea about the whole center halves that you teed up. It is a bit of a disaster zone um, on a level that we look. I, I've seen an awful lot of smart after the event type fuckers going around saying, "Well, <laughs> we should have not. <laughs> we didn't get someone in, <laughs> and whatever." But I will just quote to you our manager Jurgen Klopp, who said, "Look, this is what we decided to go with." And I've seen lots of people, and he called out Jamie Carragher for being a bit of a loud mouth about this. You're all entitled to your opinions. I'm entitled to mine. But I do think it gets to a stage of idiocy where people are calling Klopp out for a bad judgment call when the man has just put two of the biggest pots in the world in front of you in successive seasons and built this team back into a situation where it is uh, one of the greatest (laughs) in a way that you love, Carl. We were named today amongst the top 10 most relevant and culturally relevant uh, uh, brands in the world it, alongside Nike alongside Adidas alongside oh was it the Patriots or something weird stuff weird stuff but anyway my point is Jurgen Klopp is, deserves to be cut a bit of slack here because if we didn't get in a fourth centre half there was a reason for that Michael Edwards couldn't get his the deal that he wanted to get yeah. done done there was there will have been a very good fucking reason we we're not cavalier this is not a cavalier team Jurgen Klopp is not a cavalier manager uh we've seen that lovely caution um which is to be applauded creeping in over the last couple of years after all the bullshit about rock and roll football or heavy metal football or whatever that shit thing was this is it was a decision that was made now it has backfired spectacularly you'd have to say and i have seen you having a, 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 a cheeky a cheeky one about um about your about uh, your pal dejan that was, only to, that was only to annoy you three though it, which, yeah yeah it, it ruffled my feathers yeah. uh but what i'm so what i'm saying to you is uh where do you stand on all of this because 
it's kind of sickening, sickeningly inevitable, really, isn't it? Um, that, that something like this was going to happen. <sighs> it, it's it, it, it's so close to the Simpsons thing, just because it's. Really, I mean, it, for people who don't know the Simpsons um, story, um, the reason he lost uh, he lost all of those players because one of them um, was hypnotized into thinking he was a chicken. You know, it's that that level of ludicrousness. And it's Dale Lovren was always going to go because you know he's getting on a bit. He wants one more contract and. Um, he wasn't getting much love, was he? Uh, so he was always going to go. We made money from him. So, you know, all good, all round. Everyone wins there. No one knew that Virgil van Dijk was going to be assaulted um, by a Tyrannosaurus Rex arms goalkeeper. Um, um, Fabinho, it happens. People pull their hamstrings or their thigh muscles, wherever it is. And the reason Liverpool didn't rep- didn't think, right, we're going to buy Koulibaly or anyone like that is because they... He's obviously just thought, you know, if 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 it comes down to it, I've got Fabinho, Fabinho, and if I haven't got him, I've got Reese Williams, and I trust him. And that's not put a foot wrong. Now, whether you want him there for eight months or not, you know, you don't know. And you know, Joel's out, but Joel's not out for long. It's it was one of those things when it happened. It's, it's you, you, you look at it more of a sort of Jesus Christ rather than oh my God, what's he done now? It's like you know, have a look. He's that. I remember when. Um, under the uh, early days of Julier, when all the strikers were out, all of them, all four of them were out, and we had Sean Dundee and Eric Meyer up front for one game. Yeah, it yeah. happens. You know these things. Are quite, you do, know, you, do you remember? Do, do you remember in Kenny's uh, second coming, we had a run where we just kept hitting the woodwork again and again yeah, like and again. It was three games or something. It was. Oh, this is just absurd. And you were thinking, even Kenny, even Kenny, yeah, even Kenny was saying we we literally have no luck at the moment. Yeah, and you know the the interesting thing for me. And what should be colouring everyone's um, uh, pronouncements from on high. And I did see some dope today. He got widely retweeted. I assume he's not atypical, saying that he hopes Reese Williams gets badly exposed so that, uh, uh, you know, that lessons will be learned, etc. I'm like, Christ alive. Imagine imagine calling yourself a Liverpool fan and coming out with nonsense well, like that. Well, Liverpool fans said that. Yeah. Liverpool fans yeah. said a 19-year-old kid should get exposed. So Bad so, so that so that people understand that he's shit. That's that's the level. That's the level we're well, at. Well, now. I don't know where he's got shit from because he hasn't put a foot wrong. Well, again, I let's just talk about that fella because when he stepped in, I said this in the post match show. I said I was wildly impressed by the calm uh, uh, presence that he he showed when he came in. Uh, the two lads picked me up a bit and said, oh, his first couple of passes were a bit wayward. And I said, yes, but he was coming into a really, really shitty situation where Joey Gomez was having a nightmare in the first half, uh, first four, 30 minutes especially with his passing, at least four wayward passes. Um, and now Fabinho's gone off and everyone reacted very viscerally. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, to oh my god, from Allison to Jordan to everybody reacted really. Oh god, no, not this. So the kids coming into that, uh, I th- I thought he was really outstanding. I, I look, I'm I'm going to ask you both about your take on him um, and the center half thing. But you 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 just finish your thoughts on that, Carl. Now and I'll go to Cam with it. He's not going to be there for long, and I, so this is how footballers become footballers. They come, they're brought into situations like this. And he's very, very calm. I definitely wouldn't pick a fight with him. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Big lad, any? He'll do. He'll do for me. Matip will be back soon. And uh, yeah, it's just one of these things that happen. You can't get down about it, really, because you know. I mean, I can understand people still being furious about Virgil. 
because I am. Mm. But uh, just people get injured. Will you remind Will you remind me to go back to the Virgil Van Dyke's forward slash Pickford topic? If If I don't come back to it, cycle back around to it within the next. 1520. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you'd remind me because there's a specific thing I want to ask you about there uh, that I was going to discuss uh, on both shows tonight. And look, Cam, I mean, whatever about Reese Williams, we have a small sample size. At least those of us who don't watch the kids all the time, don't watch the 23s or whatever, or the 19s. I'm not going to say that I know a whole lot about him, but I was just mightily impressed by the sort of presence that the kid had uh, to take the ball into him, to not look flustered, uh, to do the simple things well. And as as Carl says, he's a unit. Um, and that's a big deal. It's a big deal in the modern game. Um, and again, just that, that tweet that I saw earlier on, and I know it's silly to focus on one dope who's been retweeted onto your timeline a million times, but... It was something about him hoping that he got bullied by Michel Antonio so that everyone would see shit. And I, I'll tell you what, I fancy Reese's chances against anyone in terms of a physical battle because, you know, there's, he's all there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a big tall lad, isn't he? Um, I wouldn't say he's uh, particularly muscular at the moment. He seems quite, um, his frame seems quite skinny in a, in a way. He's not bulked out yet. In the, way, in the way Gomez was as well when he started. Generally. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, you know, even like I'm just thinking, prime example, Michael Owen, when he started playing, he was a skinny little runt. And you, you, I can remember I saw him playing against Villa one time, and I was in the front row in, in a in a Doug Ellis stand, unfortunately. And I thought, fuck me, he's put on some muscle. So um, I'm sure Reese Williams will do the same. He'll, he'll muscle out, he'll blossom. Um, and he, which he hasn't played 90 minutes yet of first team football, of competitive football. You know, you can't really say he, what he's going to be, what he's not going to be at the moment. He, he mm. came in again. Mm. Uh, yeah, he, he, he played two, three minutes at the end, five minutes, whatever it was against Ajax. And he, he came on after whatever, however many minutes it was against uh, Mitterland and, um, he did okay. He did fine. He wasn't overly pressured, but he handled everything in a, in a good way. He, he didn't make any obvious errors or anything like that. There was a, a calmness about him. Um, I thought Joe looked after him quite well, helped him along, which was good to see because Joe had to step, step up as well. And that's important because we're really relying on Joe Gomez now. Um, you know, he he's pivotal now. But that's the thing. You know, he is pivotal. And the thing is, people go on about Joe Gomez is, oh, he's got an injury, you know, a record and he has, but one of the major injuries he had was again from a bad tackle. And people are just forgetting that. And it's the same with Virgil. He's out because of a bad tackle. And these yeah. things, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, happen in the game of football. You can have a mistimed tackle, you can have a, just a completely reckless tackle. And it happens, and players go out, unfortunately. And it's what you then have to do is, and what the or what the, the management team have to do is, they have to deal with it. They have to find solutions to these problems because this is always going to happen, whether we like it or not. You can you, you can equate to injuries happening up to a point. You know, you, you and that's why you have four centre-backs, for example. Mm. Because you know you're going to have two, and then you're going to have two who, who start so many games. Lovren last year started 10 games. 
we're paying the guy a hundred grand a week to play ten games. That's just ridiculous. Yes, could we have done with Lovren now? Of course we could have. But you couldn't foresee that. For a guy who played ten games last season, paying him a hundred grand a week. Yeah, that's just it it doesn't make sense. And if if people think that the club didn't make any attempts to get somebody in, like Trev said earlier, you know, Mickey Edwards would have been going through that laptop of his, they would have been speaking to agents, they would have been speaking to clubs. It didn't happen for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Now we've seen the consequences of that. Now let's see how we handle it and go forward. Well, the way we've handled it is in the last couple of games where we were under pressure from Sheffield United, we were under pressure from, um, who'd have thought it, uh, FC Michelin. Um, we kept clean sheet. That's how we handle it. And, and, yeah. and I think that's, that's got to be, that's got to be taken into account. But just in, in the spirit of it, this being a therapy session for you and, um, a chance to get stuff off, off, off your chest. I mean, do you have a level of anxiety going forward? I mean, I, I've seen an awful lot of people. It, it, it amazed me, Cam, I have to say. And this, it's happened in the interim since we spoke last. Uh, people writing the season off when Virgil got injured. Um, that's it. Title's gone, they were saying. And then the, the, the gloom, the gloom uh, sat down again uh, in a heavy, heavy way after uh, Fabinho's injury. Um, and I, you know, I know Carl's got a, a no runners policy. I certainly do. Um, I've, I found myself sort of just doubling down and thinking this lot will find a fucking way. They just will. They're just too good not to. And I wasn't impressed by the performances against Sheffield United or FC Michelin. I thought we were actually pretty shit. Um, but the result is there in the end, and I will yeah. take that. I will take a team that gets things over the line. So the weird, awkward way I'm phrasing that question, the question is, are you disheartened or are you actually feeling a little bit sort of defiant in the in the, in the the face of this uh, setback? Defiant? Yeah. 100% defiant. Um, if you're going to sit there feeling sorry for yourself, fuck off. You know, we haven't got time for that. At the end of the day, you think Jürgen's going to let the players sit there and feel sorry for themselves? If we were going to watch the games now, would we sit there and go, oh, for fuck's sake, oh, no, this is going to be a nightmare. I shouldn't be here. You get behind them. You support them. That's what it's about now. You have to stand up and show what you're about. And that's what these players have to do now. And that's what they will do. And the performances that they've shown, it reflects that to an extent because. Yes, we went behind to a shit goal against Sheffield United. It was a abomination, you know, that decision. It was just outrageously, and you know, that how that's a penalty. I, I, I still can't get. My, I still don't understand how the ball is outside the box, but because somebody's touching the line, that becomes. Oh, but anyway, um, but they had to fight for that for those three points. Sheffield United got. They they then got their got the wind in their sails because of going one 0 up. They they had something to fight for and hold on for. As soon as it went back to one one, the game opened up a bit. Suddenly there was space and we started looking a bit better. Yes, there was a slight formation change as well. But against Midtland, I thought Midtland actually was set up really really well. They made it really difficult for us. You know, and this is the weakest team in in the group. 
and they they played well. Let's not take anything away from them. They were they were they were tough to beat. And again, we're going through a difficult phase because of. I mean, I've I've got a list here of injuries so far this season. Allison, Van Dijk, Matip, Gomez, Simicas, Thiago, Kaita, Henderson, Fabino, Oxlade Chamberlain, Mane, Shakiri. They've all been unavailable at some point this season. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of your twenty-five man squad have been unavailable. That is, we are in the middle of an injury crisis. You, you know, it, it's ridiculous what we're going through. Yes, some of that is COVID-related. But it, that is now, if you have COVID, that's classified as an injury now. The season's not going to get stopped if you lose uh, all your players through COVID. And we saw look that the week, yeah, Europe, yeah. Yeah, look at some of the European teams. They've been having to get youth team players in to go and play European matches because they've lost uh, most of their first team squad. It's going to be a clusterfuck of a season. It really is, you know. It's going to be one. I said this in Discord. It's going to be one hell of a ride. Make sure you clench those arse cheeks because it's it's going to be like that for the rest of the season. So I think it's. Yeah, I think that's perfectly valid. I think that's a very, very good take on it because it is going to be, it is going to be, uh, harrowing. Um, but the point again, just to come around to it is that, you know, again, I trust these lads to find a way to get over the line in the end. And I, I feel, I feel a level of confidence that we might be looking at another league title here because I think they will find a way. This, every, every, it's almost as if every, kick in the face is leading me to be even more defiant that word i used and that you use cam i mean carl you you started the ball rolling on this topic and um it's off the league that's the that's where i'm going with it that's what i was going to say to you it's hard <laughs> it's hard not to be defined yeah we're top of the league and we're top of the league in the champions league group and we've only played what we're two points clear we've only played one game at home yeah and don't buy on us. Oh, yeah, it's all over and everything. Has anyone looked at the league table? Also, the league is nuts at the moment. Well, um, with, 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 it, with, it, with a view to trying to be balanced, let, let me let me put something. Cam brought it up there with, with an oblique reference to formation change. And what's been patently apparent in the last two games is that Jurgen has changed it up and played this sort of two in midfield with a more attack-minded third and then a the, the the front three um uh, or a front three as it was in the case of the Michelin game um now it's patently apparent as I'm watching it that that's not necessarily working and again I'm not one of these people who's saying clap out or uh, I know better than the the league league champion manager what I would say uh is that it strikes me that we're not particularly well suited to this and that we've always it's it's i'm finding it strange that there's been a change in all i'm not really sure what it's about is it to is it is are we playing this way now to accommodate diogo Jota and get him into a role that will suit him that we can play our front three and Jota, or what's happening i'm not really sure what's happening here um i, I, I think it's all gone a bit jazz because i think he's just trying to find a way to see what's worse because that's what managers do they have a look at absolutely everything and it's really, really harsh not to... You can't drop Jota because he's on form. You can't drop the other three 
Um, I've made up for me and I've got like, another goal. And um, you can't drop the, the three lads, but he wants to get Jota in there somewhere. And of course, if Fabinho comes out of the, he's the best number six in the club, possibly in Europe. And you know you've you've lost him. So what do you do? You've got to re-solidify somewhere else. That's why I played Melner as well as Henderson, I think. And um, that didn't really work either. He's just got to find his way around it. And you know he knows when it's not working and when it is or not. And I felt a bit sorry for Diogo on um, Saturday because you can see Bratty looking around thinking I'm not entirely sure what my position is. It's it's nominally sort of behind Sadio, who's sort of playing it as a nine, but he will drop left as well where I'm supposed to be. Um, Carl, that was a mess. That was a mess. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah, and he's like he's like looking at Sadio going, where are you now? Well, hang on, he's playing the nine now. You know, it was that sort of, oh, well, Roberto is fine. So where do I go? Do I play the ten behind him? No, because that's what, oh. you know, it's a, and that, that's going to happen. You know, we play 4-3-3, so regimented in a way. Um that also teams get found out that way as well. Happened to Ajax in the, in, in the sort of early eighties as well. You know the total football side. People just start saying, "I know exactly what you're going to do because you never change." And you know, and people that went against Man United as well when you know they played not a pretty rigid four four two, and then people started overloading midfield on them and stuff like that. You know, that's that's what football is. It's um, I, rec- I recommend a book called The Mixer, which looks at the difference of form- formations since the start of the Premier League. It's it's. You read it and think, oh god, yeah. Do you remember when suddenly it was really, really on vogue to have a really small number ten? Yeah, it's great. It's a great book. The Pablo Aymar, you know, all that sort of thing. Like you know, when well, Beardsley, when Beardsley became sort of the, the, the first sort of you know floating striker, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. it, it happens, and and the only way you can find out if it works is if you've got lads on the pitch doing it. So he, he's just as interested in we are, see if this works or not. All he can do is have the idea. Yeah. And he is an innovator, to be fair to him. You know, we know that. Um, him and Pepino, as I now call him. Him and Pepino, yeah. I love the way he calls him Pepino. I'll be honest. I'd be honest. I, I'd, I'd pull him ahead of, uh, of um, my fellow Baldy there. Yeah, that Michael Cox book is great, The Mixer. If anyone hasn't read it, I'd recommend it as well as Carl there. Um, I want to just take this sideways for a second before we, we, we get back on more positive things because I read a story. Uh, a couple of weeks, a uh, couple week a week ago, uh, and I read a follow up thing today. Uh, just going through my news now feed because I'm looking for stories to chit chat about, and uh, <laughs> I want to get your take on this, um, both of you, uh, because it turns out that um, according to where did I see this most recent one? Let look at this matter. I'm not even going to give them the credit. But basically, the story is that uh, Everton fans are, are furious about the Jordan Pickford situation. Now, I will I will say well, that, that it wasn't banned. Well, no, this is this yeah, is so fair, Cam. That's that's not that's is, not all of what he's done there. They said gathering outside the crowd. I thought they wanted him banned because they know he's a liability for us. Are you ready? This is the situation. They've been reacting to the news that Pickford has been apparently forced to hire a security detail after his challenge on Liverpool star Virgil van Dijk. Um, the Daily Mail are going around, and you know, the Daily Mail are, 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 are reporting that the England international and his missus are being protected by bodyguards uh, as he moved to increase security around his house uh, after receiving multiple death threats online. Um, this is the state of play. Now, I watched the 
the Sky programs at the weekend because uh, I'm still one of those idiots who has to pay for it. And we know that before I've spoken about it, why I have to do that, but that's just the situation. And I was watching one of their discussion shows. It was Sunday morning after a Saturday match, and I thought I can relax into it now. The Reds have won, so I can listen to whatever kind of nonsense is being talked. And they spent uh, about 15 minutes on the Liverpool game, and they did not mention the atrocity that was fantastic tackle by Fabinho the world class tackle by Fabinho the most joyous thing that I ever used to enjoy playing football uh, doing uh, being ruled as a penalty uh, instead instead they completely ignored that and went on about other sort of inanities Clinton Morrison and uh, Darren Lewis from the mirror talking about whatever they wanted to talk about but I'll tell you what they did talk about for longer than they talked about the entire the Liverpool game, they talked about how they were worried about Jordan Pickford and his mental state. Poor Jordan, they were thinking. He's on the receiving end of all this uh, death threats and hate mail and nasty, nasty messages. And the, the host went out of her way to emphasize the nastiness. She inter- interviewed Carlo Ancelotti and asked him, is Jordan okay? Is he okay? Because he's had a lot to deal with. Now, let's establish from the start. That whatever absolute imbeciles, whatever mouth-breathing brain donors are actually threatening or tweeting or messaging with said messages are clearly the scum of the earth. And it saddens me every day to think that there are people like that who stand under the same flag as me when we're supporting Liverpool. However, we may have our sort of priorities just a touch of skew here. Nobody's saying we shouldn't be fear, uh, um, absolutely taking the, the, the threat to Mr. Pickford seriously. But can we talk about maybe just for a second why that threat occurred in the first place? The thing that Mr. Pickford did to contribute to said threat? This is what, this is what makes me laugh. The amount of professional footballers who've run out of the way, including Jamie Carragher, to say he's not one of those players. He didn't mean it. He was just playing the game. I don't give a shit if he meant it. It's not his intention. It's the fact that it's ludicrously dangerous play. So who cares about intention? Nobody wants to talk about that. This is what kills me about it. I, I want. I just wanted to get your, your take on the whole Pickford thing, the way it's been covered, uh, the way that, like I said, guy spent 20 minutes talking about him as the, the real victim of this story. Um, the way that they completely ignored the outrageous injustice that happened to Liverpool for two games in a row. It, it makes me go from a person who's very suspicious of one-eyed, uh, we was robbed people to being firmly in their camp. So, Carol, I'll start with you and I'll reverse it back to camp. I, I think the issue with England's Jordan Pickford and why the, um, why, why the press have been so keen to support England's Jordan Pickford is possibly because England's Jordan Pickford plays for England. And um, all, all, your, all your BT Sports and your Sky and what have you, every time something bad happens to an England player, we, we got this with Owen all the time. If Owen was injured, it was always, and also it's terrible news for England. So, you know, they're, they're, their natural thing is to, is to defend England players. They don't give a damn about Virgil van Dijk because he doesn't play for England. Um, and obviously, I'm going to join you in saying that anyone who sends a death threat to someone for a football match, you're a prick, let's face it. That's a stupid thing to do. I mean, 
Um, I'm, I'm all for. I said, I said this on Twitter actually. I said, you know, I, I, I would want to see Jordan Pickford hung up by his balls for what he did, but I wouldn't want to see Jordan Pickford hung up by his balls. A lot of it is sort of like you know, it's 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 a lot of air and noses. And you know, if he's if he's if he's if he's scared and his family's scared, then that's not a great situation to be. In. I'm not going to say otherwise. But what I want to sit is is make this sort of this this ludicrous this jump between. You know, yeah, but poor Paul and Innocent Jordan, um, he doesn't deserve death threats. He doesn't. He, he deserves. Yeah, he, I think he deserves to be abused because he fucking took my lad out, and it's not his fault the referee didn't send him off. It's fucking someone's, and you can't. It, it's just the way those things are it's conflated. The sort of like suddenly everyone's rallying around Jordan Pickford, and it's bollocks. It's just it is, it is because what we know, and again, this is not this is not to do character assassination, but we have all seen the various bits and pieces of footage. Jordan Pickford strikes me strikes me as the kind of lad who, you know, he basically. Well, they were all doing it as well. Um, we we had Richarlison going in on Thiago. We also had that absolute fucking gobshite, um, uh, uh, Hammers Rodriguez waving a card at the referee. Yeah, I was more angry at that than Virgil, to be honest, just because I thought, literally, you're lucky you're not two down after ten minutes with your goalkeeper sitting in the stand, and this, you're, now, you're now waving a, 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 to get an advantage in the derby. No, exactly. This is the thing, and I'm I'm capable of looking at Dirk Count going in two foot at about eighteen feet. Red card, funny, and, but red card, and you know, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm 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 capable of saying. I'm actually enjoying that moment. I'm enjoying the the violence of it against the Ev, and I get that. We can all sort of we well we can't all. Some of us are better people than others. Fair play to you, but I enjoy that, and I can see that moment, and I can sort of almost revel in it. Well, yeah. well, I can tell you what it was like in the red end that day. Yeah, good. Everyone went, and literally this sort of fucking hell, Zach. Everyone was like that. Well, that's what you do. That's what you do. I've. Yeah. I've I've done that exact. But, but even we've, even we know that's that's not on. Exactly. And, then the referee, and the referee, you know, does nothing about it, and, and it, it it becomes funny. I've done but, that exact tackle in real life, and the reaction to it, fucking it's, hell, it, it's it's visceral. <laughs> it's visceral. Yeah, you 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 see people who 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 who, who they know you as a, a a quietly spoken sort of amiable chap, and now you're you're committing assault. <laughs> And it is. It's remarkable. Uh, uh, but, but I suppose, look, the point I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is it's not necessarily about intent. This, the Pickford thing, I don't care about that, about his intent. He's coming out to hurt him. That's a, a straw man bullshit argument. It's dangerous play. I don't give a shit about his intent. And what, what should happen is hands should be held up. Instead of Carlo Ancelotti coming along and talking about how uh, there was an awful lot of talk about his horror show tackle on Virgil and Richarlison's absolute shithead tackle. Absolute shithouse. And and Carlo's trying to spin it as well. That's why we've got a man sent off at the weekend. I mean, come on, man. This is what I'm saying. There must be responsibility. I will tell you this for a fact. Jurgen Klopp, and we can, we can all actually, we can all actually say that in in not one eyed way, we play the game the right way, and Liverpool have since he since he's been here. We don't do that shit. He has no time for that shit. So we can actually sit in the position of comparative smugness and say, "Well, sorry, pal, but we don't do that. That is horrendous." The last time you can remember tackles like that from Liverpool wasn't this manager, you know. Um, so 
it does stick in the craw. Cam, I want to let you get in on this uh, chit-chat as well. I mean, is there anything that we haven't sort of touched on there that you'd like to bring up around the whole idea of leading off from the centre-halves into the Everton behaviour and the reaction to it in the media? It's weird. Um, firstly, um, as you've both said, anyone sending death threats, uh, you're just cowards. You're just pricks. You're just, you're not right in the head. Simple as. And, um, Go and seek some therapy, seek, seek some help, and uh, sort yourselves out, people. Please, it's not a good place to be. Um, Jordan Pickford, um, Tara said he's not that type of guy. Maybe they should ask Deli Ali that. Fucking hate that. I hate that argument. We yeah, had, we had, yeah. had it with Joe Cole as well, but when Richard Keith said when he got sent off in his debut. Sorry, Cam, I'm walking over your point. That's right. Um, uh, when when um, on his debut, when he got sent off against Arsenal, and Richard Keith said a hard time. He said. Do you think there should be some sort of... Uh, do you think the referee should be examining the player's character and saying maybe that was too accidental? England's Joe Cole, by the way. England's Joe Cole. Um, uh, you know, it shouldn't be taking into account his personality and that he's not really that sort of player. Fuck off. He's just done someone two foot. Can you come yeah, to you? I mean, well, it goes a little bit for me. It goes actually a little bit further than that, unfortunately. Um, all the players that you've mentioned, Joe Cole, Michael Owen, Jordan Pickford, English players, but also white. Sorry to say this, but they get it. They get that extra protection from the media. I never saw Daniel Sturridge getting this protection when he was injured during England duty. Never saw the media coming out and defending him. No, oh, no, he's, he's made a glass. Yeah, that's lazy. Yeah. That's lazy, Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, but that but it is what it is. It was what it was, and that's how it is. And unfortunately, that's you know that's me as a person of a who's not white. That's how I perceive that. Unfortunately, because that's the narrative for me. It, and it, and it, you're right. It is lazy, and it and it's and it's wrong. Um, I've lost, I've lost my train of thought here. Where are we going with all this? Um, I, I just like say the the, the the thing that Kara said about it, he's not that type. That that's what annoyed me the most about it all. You know, this whole incident and the fact that even after three weeks we're we're still we're still on about it is because he's saying he's not that type of person. I, I just I just I don't like that. He, he it doesn't matter if he's that type of person or not. In other words, you know. Yeah, he, he he. If you look at the way he actually went, at no into that tackle, at no point was he actually looking at the ball, thinking, "How can I win the ball here?" He went in and he scissor kicked him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Count's is worse. But, oh, uh... oh, oh yeah, I mean, if Count, if uh, Phil Neville hadn't seen Count coming in the way he was, that would have been horrendous. Yeah. The potential injury that that could have occurred there, you know, that was full on assault. You know, as people said, you do something like that out in the street. Not that people tend to do that because it is a football game. Um, you do something like that in the street, you're going to get arrested. Cam, you said you're worried about Phil Neville. I was worried about the lads in the front three rows <laughs> behind him. The speed at which he came in there. Oh. 
in a, in a in a vaguely related thing, can I say that again on the same channel? I did see a, a little piece uh, at the weekend uh, where there were various luminaries um, of the game, uh, Johnny Barnes. Uh, we had several other. Uh, Andy Cole was on it. Um, there was uh, Paul. Oh my God! Why is the name going for me? Uh, Liverpool and United player. Ints. Uh Lots of lads chit-chatting about uh, the absolute horror show that they had during their careers with racial abuse from the stands and the difficulties that they had to endure in the uh, 80s and 90s with it. <laughs> it was it was very, very interesting that they seemed to be... There was a moment, I'm just, it's the dirt cow thing that, 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 uh, that reminded me and it ties in with uh, what you're talking about with the racial element camp. Um, I, I will let me just say this: the way they presented the Eric Cantona assault on the fan was almost celebratory because it was like Eric just—it probably took one of those lads like Eric who just said "enough is enough," and it was almost like a kind of a a, a, a flagship moment for stop the abuse from the terraces and um i i have to say i i enjoyed it very much the way that they seem to be almost uh celebrating uh the um wild action against uh, uh, an abusive uh imbecile uh so fair play for that i just thought it was worth mentioning yeah, I, I tell you about that that uh, cancellar incident how i remember it i've got a feeling it was a monday night and they showed the game on it um like a, after the news or something about, uh, I might be wrong on that, but there was definitely like a sort of sports night stroke late match of the day thing on the BBC. And we, we, me and mate had it on it on the radio. We didn't have Sky and we knew something had happened. Um, but you know, we didn't really, we weren't really paying attention because it was United. And then we saw this program kicks off and Des Lynham's on. And my mate shouted over to me, Kofak, quick, it must be really bad. Des, Des has just put his specs on. statement. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm having this. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be big. Can I actually segue beautifully out of that into a statement that I want a reaction from both of you from uh, on? Um, this came out eight hours ago on the official club website, and it's update for supporters on the 2020-2021 season developments. Now, I'm going to read it in its entirety. It's about... I four, read this earlier. Yeah, it's, about, on. it's four or five paragraphs. Uh, I'm going to put my specs on a la Des just to make it um, make it even more significant. I've got a very specific question for you arising out of the back of it. So, Cam, you've heard it before. Carl, I don't know if you have, but one no, way... One way or the other, do listen, because um, I have a very specific question at the end of it. And it goes like this. As part of the club's ongoing preparations for the potential return of supporters uh, to the stadium in the future, we would like to provide an update to fans on the current situation. It was expected that the opening fixtures of 2020-21 season would take place behind closed doors until at least October at the earliest, with the likelihood that stadiums would then initially operate at reduced capacity in line with social distancing measures. As of the end of September, this plan was postponed due to increasing cases of COVID-19 nationally. However, as the situation continues to evolve and remains subject to change, we are continuing to work hard to ensure that when the time is right for spectators to return, we are in the best possible position to welcome fans back to Anfield while ensuring a safe environment for everyone in attendance. 
As such, we are currently working on a number of new processes and systems which will be introduced in the coming weeks that will enable us to be properly prepared to welcome fans back into Anfield as safely and efficiently as possible when government guidelines allow. We will provide more information on this and we'll be contacting fans regarding these upcoming changes in due course. We'll continue to keep supporters updated with all the 2021 season developments, and we thank you for your patience and understanding. The question I have for you is, what do you think they're doing? What are these, to quote, processes and systems which will be introduced in the coming weeks will enable us to properly be prepared to welcome fans back to Anfield as safely and efficiently as possible. Cam, you've read it, I know, so I'm going to go to you first on that. What do you think it is that they're, what are they thinking? Are they going to give everyone a special plastic bubble to roll into Anfield in? What, 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 what's, the, what's the plan here? Um, I think there'll be an organised way in, an organised way out. Yeah. 25% of the fan base, or, or up to 25% of the fan base will be allowed in. Uh, the t- tickets will be allocated on a, a lottery system round one for the first game and then you're not included for the next four or five rounds. So that way, um, season ticket holders, uh, fans with certain amounts of credits on their fan cards will then get to go to one game in five or something like that or one game huh. in four, however they're going to do it. Um, right. And I, I think it will be some... some you know, I think this is what was already discussed previously. I don't see what else they can what else they can really do. I mean, we're on the verge of going back into another lockdown. You know, to say that we're going to have fans in the stadiums in the next few weeks again, uh, I think is a little bit um, premature and a, maybe a little bit ambitious on their part to think that. Um, if you look at Germany and France, they're, they're both going back into lockdown this week, I believe. Um, COVID deaths, unfortunately, are rising again in the UK. And uh, we've had uh, 1,600 in the last four or five days. Um, and that's that's worrying in itself. So I'm not sure we'll be seeing them in the next few weeks, fans back in the stadiums, if, uh, you know, Liverpool is still in Tier 2 and then possibly Tier 3. Uh, how are, are you going to get up? We are Tier 3. Is it Tier 3, though? Then yeah, we'd, we'd be the first one to go, yeah. Yeah, so how are you going to get fans into Liverpool? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the fans who are season ticket holders and have got the credits on the card will be fans from outside of Liverpool. So if they suddenly get selected for a game, they can't go. And then it's tough. Tough. You didn't turn up. You're not allowed to go in then the next round. I don't know. I just found it a bit. I found it, to be honest, a bit of an odd statement to release at this time. That's that's where that's where I was going with, it. and that's kind of what I was. That's kind of at, at the back of what I'm asking is, mm. what what is this? It seems like a real placeholder thing. Um, they do give you that little carrot of the processes and uh, uh, whatever systems, uh, but then there's very much the big stake of well, you know, we all know what's happening in the world, and yeah, you're talking about going back into it. Uh, uh, us paddies have been in full lockdown there for a couple of weeks, and. Uh, you know, it's it's getting to a stage where I think, uh, I I I would imagine that this season will be the full extent of uh, people's tolerance around this type of thing and people's uh, ability to 
to, I don't know, uh, accept whatever decisions are being made from when they don't trust the people making the decisions. Uh, Can I just say one other thing? Sorry. Um, Sorry to cut you up there, Trent. It's it's not okay to go to a stadium to watch a football match in open air, but it's okay to go to a theatre in London and watch a watch a performance and a show. As I said, Cam, how can you trust? There, there's people? the logic. In how, how can you trust people who are making decisions like that? And do you know? That's do you, why I, do, do, that's do why you know what? There. Do you know what's what's not in lockdown, Cam, in Ireland? Um, is uh, tiny spaces where people, uh, uh, thirty-one people, are crammed together uh, uh and then uh, move into another uh space where 31 um households are represented that's and so on so and by the way i've seen today people who should know a whole lot better who are claiming to be absolutely blown away by the gorgeous science they see in front of them i think it's an el pais article about how COVID is translated or transmitted by um, aerosols and they're chatting away about oh this is one of the best most clarifying things i've ever seen and it's talking about how if you take certain measures you can mitigate circumstances and mitigate um, uh, transmission i've never seen a thing that's more obvious in my life and yet people are talking about it as if it's news but you know it does do in a very lovely graphic way it shows that it's okay to be in a classroom with 30 people uh but the lads who are in a living room with six having a party you want to watch that crack and you should all have masks on you and be very very distant but it's okay in a classroom so look there are there are, there's a lack of joined up thinking and only the least only only the least observant are failing to notice that cam or sorry carl what's your what's your take on this on this uh on this statement, I, I think they've they've got to do something because they what they what's probably happened is they probably said a while ago we will update every four six weeks, so they probably have to say something just because that's what. Um, the but it sounds it sounds quite specific do. without being specific, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because obviously they're still investigating how they do it because a, a bit, a bit, it's, it's a bit like <laughs> a bit like Joko Jota. You don't know until you've done it. You know, there's no set way yet, and whatever yeah. you might do might be wrong. Um, what I will say, um, I know I talk about TalkSport far too often on this show, but um, TalkSport actually are launching a campaign to get people back in the grounds is so, so wrong. It hurts. Um, Liverpool's still in tier three. People are dying. My, my brother-in-law has COVID. I go to the match with him all the time. He can't go. He's got COVID. Um, I wouldn't go to the game because I trust me, but I don't trust anyone else. Uh, when it comes to you know social distance restrictions, uh, by which I should also say that I don't trust me when we've scored because yeah, I do some yeah. when we score, and, and and that's the nature of the game, isn't it? That's going to happen. If I, if I was in Goodison Park and and, uh, and and Jordan's goal would have been allowed, I would be thinking, oh my god, two meters, because that's the nature of the beast. And I suppose that's the difference between theatres as well. Is when you go and sit in the theatre, you are expected to sit in the same seat, otherwise you're having a bit of a wee at night. Um, they've, I think they, they've got to look at it. My, my, my joke, that was a hell of a play. Uh, I think that... Come <laughs> on! Go on! Go on, I'm Romeo. just imagining <laughs> le- levitating Kopak ending up three rows back. Yeah. How, have I, how have I gotten here? All Hamlet did was say this. <laughs> I'm your wall. Um, yeah, it's, it's... I think they've got a... I, I can't see anyone coming back to the, to the game for quite some time. 
No, because, I agree with you. I think, I think no, that's I that. Wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. If, it, if we play tomorrow, no. I don't a trust lot, Yeah. A lot of people are going to be in the exact same boat as you, Carl. I think that's absolutely the case. Um, but on the flip side, we do need to try and move back to some sort of normality somehow. That's but, the side I'm... <laughs> not about No, no, but... It, it, it's we're in a horrible place, you know, and um, you know I don't want to get political because that's not like me, obviously, as you guys know. Well, I am a BNP fan, you know that, don't you? So, um, yeah, of course, uh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. um, I. I you know, there's there's nothing. Whatever whatever happens going forward now, it, nothing will be right. Nothing will be wrong. This is the this is the problem because it, as far as I can see, it, it's it's a shit show, and it's been run like a shit show. And it's like I I, I don't get what they're trying to do now because initially I thought it was about maybe trying to introduce some 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 form of herd immunity. That's why they're reluctant to go into maybe a full lockdown again, you know, and just trying to do local lockdowns. But, you know, and that's why they're letting people, you know, they're sending out mixed signals and, you know, a group of six is the maximum, but you can have a group of 31 over there. That's okay. You know, I mean, because like you say, uh, like, we, like we know, um, in the schools, there's COVID cases arising. But, are there a lot of deaths out of there because of those COVID cases? One death is too many. No, and that's, that's the problem. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem now. So it's going to be who knows until when they find a proper cure. And even then, would you trust the cure? It, it, it's just an awful place for everybody to be in right now. And I mean, on a personal level, I've suffered, you know, um, due to work. Um, people have lost, how many people, you know, I know people who've lost their lives. I know people who, yeah. I was just speaking to a friend today. He had, he, he contracted COVID last week. He was diagnosed positive. And he had, to, you know, thankfully, you know, and it's only when he was, as he said to me, he was eating his uh, uh, heat wave Doritos and he thought, I can't taste the damn things. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, and it's just like either we, you know, I think one of the simple things we can do is, and it's when you're outside, please, everybody, please wear a fucking mask. If, well, if, look, if, if you do one thing, yeah. just wear a mask. You know what? Look, this, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. I've missed three. Not one, not two, three family funerals. Uh, well, family and friend, um, that I couldn't go to. Uh, I've seen at least three people, uh, <laughs> pretty much are going to end up on top of those three at death's door because they can't get access to the services they need because of this, uh, system that's in place due to this, uh, uh, affliction that, uh, we're all obsessed about at the moment. There's a lot of, discussion to be had around it but we're just folks on look three knob heads talking on a football pot aren't going to fix anything so what i want to do is just keep it to the football situation and the football 
Well, yeah, I would be brilliant. Well, what if if we if 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 we relaunched as a uh, as the the Cam Branch Party political broadcast Mm -hmm. podcast, then we might have a chance of solving the world's issues. But underneath the guise of the of a football podcast, we probably shouldn't uh, try to push it too much further. I, 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 for one, I'm not wearing any uniform that Cam recommends. Absolutely not. No. Because we do realize... I can't wait for will be in collaboration with Zara. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I thought you turned your back on them after they ignored you. And to be honest with you, there's the, nobody's, no, take, nobody's taking... Nobody's taking... to be honest. Nobody's taking a, 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 an army seriously uh, that is bedecked in red pent uh, <laughs> uh, waistcoat. Uh, and general um, snooker players day off attire. I'm not. Uh, nobody's taking. I'm a suit. still on shorts at the moment. Of course, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm going out for walks every day, still wearing shorts, and people are looking at me like he's fucking mad. Yeah, lad, 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 good lad. Good lad. Lads are doing that in Ireland. Um, young lads. Young lads love wearing shorts in the winter. For the last two years, I've noticed that. Fair play to them. I'll wear them in the house, but. Put a fucking pair of pants on going outside, you dopes. It's cold. It's actually not cold. though. It's cold, not on your legs. When you play <laughs> that on your legs, <laughs> Cam Branch solves science. I've managed to create a heat wave that goes around my legs. Uh, I, didn't say I, that. I just said it's not cold on my legs. Yeah, well, I, I, I run in shorts of the night. Yeah, well, you've both, you, you've, you're both, um, You've got magic legs. We should start wrapping this up because I, I, I want, I want, I want to get to an end point. But also, I, I, I did want to talk about the various things that we talked about this evening. I'm glad we got to get through them. We obviously have endless games coming up. There's no point in talking about specific ones. West Ham away at the weekend, and then it's just That's game after game after game. Um, we do have. A ridiculous situation, but the West Ham game is followed by Atalanta on Tuesday, followed by City City on the Sunday. They are three very difficult games. West Ham are in a ridiculous run. I don't know if um, most people are probably paying attention. West Ham are in the best run. I I, I think I can remember them being on the Premier League in years. Yeah. Uh, Atalanta are a very very impressive side. Although thankfully they did draw with the with their opponents at the at the uh, in the week there in the Champions League, which leaves us nice and. Um, well set. Uh, so that game loses some of its absolute vital importance because it is in a way tie against the nominal strongest opposition. Um, so I guess it's up for grabs that one. We can probably afford to not go strong or get away with a shit result. But we're going to have to come back after the Tuesday and face up the city. And that is a massive game psychologically one way or the other in terms of how this title might go. So it's a big, big run coming up. Um, I have just one last thing that I want to talk to you about. And we, we won't go deep into this because we're already hitting the hour, hour and five. And I don't want to keep it any longer than an hour and ten. But just I think I have I think I know my answer. We're heading into a, an international fortnight after that. That's, so that's Sunday the 8th is the uh, Manchester City game. And we don't play again until the 21st, Saturday the 21st against Leicester at home um, because of that international fortnight. We have three Premier League games, sorry, two Premier League games and the European game. What would you settle for out of those or what are you expecting from those given the absolute ribbons oh, that Trev. our defense is in? 
I'm asking you. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Obviously, it's the Reds. We're going to win all the games. I'm just, just realistically speaking, with the situation where we've got a, a, a veritable child in alongside a guy who was having a struggling time uh, at centre half, li- likely for all three games, likely, uh, because the Fabinho news is very, very vague. How are you feeling? Like, I, I think we should have enough to overcome West Ham, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disconcerted that they've been good. Atalanta are a very, very good side, and they were. I was a game I was really looking forward to, but it was a game I was really looking forward to with Virgil and Joe, uh, and then City or City. So, at the moment, I'd happily cough up whatever the fuck ever and play children almost against Atalanta so that we were strongest in the Premier League because I really, really want us to be champions again. That's where I'm at. Carl, I'll start with you. Yes. I know you want three wins, but... Yeah, but also, and, I, also, and I think we will. I think we've won all three games, yeah. What are you basing that on that's rational, though? Like, that's absolutely... Like, is it just simply your belief that we are the best squad in, in the land? Yeah, it is, absolutely. But it's a depleted squad, Carl. It's a depleted squad that's top of the league and top of the group in Europe. We are we are getting through this, you know. We we are getting through this crisis at the moment. I don't know when Thiago's back, but he can't be too far away. Uh, and yeah, we we will beat West Ham because we beat West Ham. I like Antonio a lot, by the way. I really do. I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised he's still there, and I quite like that he's still there at the same time. Um, City have got far too many, far more problems than we have. I genuinely believe that. I know they've made some good signings because they're Man City, but they don't look any better than us, I'd say. Um, and I think we'll beat Atalanta because they've never played Liverpool. Um, I think we're going to win all three games. I do. I expect us to win all three games. Lovely. Cam, you're taking this to wrap us up. Okay. Um, last time, last season, um, we only beat them because of two Fabianski errors. Um, they, they played really well against us. As you said, they've started the season well. They've had two wins and two draws in their six games and two losses. And they've played some, they've played, uh, Arsenal, they've played City, um, they've played Leicester, they've played, Wol- they've played Wolves, and they lost their first game to Newcastle. They, they've had some really tough games. So they are, you know, and obviously they came back from 3-0 down against Spurs as well. So, um, they're, they are playing well. Um, so that's going to be a really, really tricky game, but I'm hopeful. Uh, we'll get three points there. Atalanta, um, I'll take a point. Um, I'd be really, really happy with a, with a point away to uh, Atalanta. That will just, uh, still keep us top, possibly, uh, yeah, that will keep us top because, uh, um, Ajax have only got one point, so they could only get four points then and we'd, we'd be on seven. So, um, that, that, that would be a good result for us at Atalanta. City played really well against uh, Marseille in the big week. So City have got, you know, we know how good they are. They're a phenomenal uh, squad of players, uh, f- fantastic footballing team. So the City game is going to be really, really tough as well. And, you know, they, they will be fired up against us. You know, they'll they'll see an opportunity uh, against us. And again, I'll, I'll take a point. I'll be happy with a point after that. So... That's pretty much where I'm at with those three games. Fair enough. I like it. Uh, I, I, like I say, I, I absolutely prioritise the two uh, Premier League games, which are eminently winnable. Um, I'd be inclined, to, like you, to not 
well, I just wouldn't be arsed really about the Atalanta result. I think we can get through without it being a big thing. And it might be a time to just be uh, tactical in terms of the usage of the squad. Let's see how it goes. Maybe maybe lads will be back. Who knows what's going to happen? Joel Matip could be ready to go and might actually play like four games in a row or something, which would be magic. Uh, I look forward to it regardless. It is a brilliant time to be a Liverpool sporter, regardless of all the bullshit we talked about earlier on. It genuinely is. It's so exciting. We're talking here about our, our team and we're talking about uh, the reality of them being genuine genuine uh favorites for the championship uh favorites for the champions league it's it's glorious and it's it's to be enjoyed carl what have you got to finish this out with uh, a few plugs really um uh some green grass in the bowl um we've had uh some lovely stuff on there recently um thor who's one of our writers in sweden has just done a piece on clyde best um you, you were talking before about uh, about racism and football and everything clyde best played for West Ham between 1968 and 1976. And um, these were the days when basically West Ham went abroad. They went to the Caribbean to pick up footballers and Clyde turned up at Heathrow. No one met him because it was a Sunday. He was on his way to the ground. The ground was shut because it was a, because it was a Sunday and he didn't know where he was staying. And he literally just bumped into somebody who knew someone who looked after the West Ham players. That's where the age we were looking in. And... Um, he received racist abuse at pretty much every single away ground uh, he, he, he played at, and every uh, and, and one day he decided, "How do I beat these people? I just score lots of goals against them." And that's what he did for six years, and um, he ended up managing um, Bermuda, where he's from. Um, so we've got that, and um, um, Sherlock from Adler to Amberley, we just recorded the, oh, we've just released the, um, the, the the story, which was the Barrel Coronet with a man called Rob Dunn, and um, we close the first collection the adventures of sherlock holmes with the copper beaches which we'll be recording in the next about 10 days or so listen to that listen to Pooley's deaf left pod because it's such a wonderful one i keep meaning to you know even though i don't like them listen to it man he's doing a spectacular job with it it's it's a really sharp production um proud of my pal and uh backing him to the hilt i'm not going to say anything about me or what i'm doing i'm I'm on anfield index all the time you can hear me uh Cam, what have you got for us? Just a quote to finish. Lovely. One life is all we have, and we live it as we believe in living it. But to sacrifice what you are and to live without belief, that is a fate more terrible than dying. Who's responsible for that? Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Not not General Pinochet. One day, Cam. One day it's going to be General Pinochet or Noriega or something like that. One day. Pablo Escobar. Speaking of Pablo, my only contribution is to point out that Cam told us there's a new series of Narcos Mexico on the way. Yes. Lads, lads, if you haven't gone, get on it. It's a recommendation from all of us here at the Anfield Index podcast, and that's how we will leave it. Uh, It's lovely to have you along. Hope you enjoyed listening to this one. Hope you enjoy listening to the next one. Hope you're telling someone about it in the meantime. It's a free pod. It always will be. Uh, It's for you guys. Uh, We enjoy doing it because we enjoy talking to each other, but we wouldn't be arsed if there weren't enough for you listening. So thanks for your support. And uh, you know what I'm going to say to you? In the meantime, whilst we're waiting for Liverpool to be champions, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there.
Sports Social Podcast Network.